0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Sonika Garcia,
1: and I'm Brad Davidson, and this is Breaking the Code,
0: a podcast series focused on debunking the myths about the discipline of behavioral science and arming our listeners with the information they need to make sense of behavioral science and how to help them apply it to their work as marketers. Welcome back. Thanks for joining. Today's episode, we are going to be talking all about community. And the term community is used a lot, I mean, in general, but specifically in the work that we do within healthcare communications. And it's important to understand, one, you know, what do we mean by community? And then, you know, how does being part of a community or not being part of a community actually impact human behavior and what about aspects of community is important for us to know in our jobs to do to do a better job at uh, connecting with people and specifically with their health decisions. Uh, just quick background in just doing some research into different types of community. I think the way that I understood it is, you know, a community is, is any group of people that are connected by some sort of commonality. So it can be um, community of interest, so, you know, similar interests, communities of action where, you know, a group of people are trying to bring about some change or have some common goal to some extent. Then we have place and that really is like geographic area. So maybe the only thing that connects this group of people is that you all live in the same town or the same region of the country or whatever it may be. And then we have, you know, practice. So things like, okay, you're part of the same profession. I think about, you know, when I think about communities of practice, I think about like KOLs a lot and HCPs and just, you know, being part of that group. But really the one thing that connects you is your profession. And then I found another one that was interesting and, and maybe we can unpack this a bit, but like community of circumstance. So basically, I think this is like a catch all bucket where it's, you know, people that are brought together by some sort of situation, some sort of external event. And the way that I look at that is, it's probably temporary. I mean, maybe it's something that happened that now places you in like more of a permanent group. But I think it also can be temporary where you're currently in a certain situation and that's why you're part of a certain community, but you might not be in the future. I mean, regardless of all of that, um, we we do know that community influences behavior. Brad, can you talk to us a little bit about how do we currently leverage the idea of community in our roles? And yeah, how have you seen it being done and what should we take away from how um, we can maybe improve on it?
1: Great introduction, like very sort of broad topic, right? This idea mm-hmm. of community, we we think of it as like, oh, we'll build a community, we'll build a website, and then this community will exist, and then we'll be able to leverage that community. And we use that term a lot without thinking about it a lot, but the reason I, I thought this would be a really good topic is... Partly, you know, what you just said at the very end, the community of circumstance, even that when you think about it, the way you described it, like what's a circumstance that you might find yourself in, right? A, a mm-hmm. refugee status, for example. Well, that's a community. You're all refugees together. All the Ukrainians who left the Ukraine for Poland. That's a circumstance they find themselves in and they'll have that what they do with it going forward someday this war will be over someday let's assume most of them go back home if there's a home to go back to i'm just sort of playing it forward right will they still be members of that community will they still have affinity for that will they have reunions world war ii is a super distant memory for almost everyone but they interviewed a guy yesterday it was the 80th anniversary of a very famous raid and he was the last guy the last pilot alive. From the squadron that had flown it, this old British guy he's like a hundred years old, and they asked him, "What does it mean to you?" And he mostly said, "I remember the guys. I remember the, the the group of fellows who've now most of them have been dead for decades, right? But you know, that was a community to him that continued, even though they were no longer bombing, you know, the Ruhr Valley with these big planes. They they had experienced something together, and that gave them an affinity. So I think I want people to focus on the idea that community." is something that has something in common, a group of people Mm -hmm. who have something in common, community in common actually come from the same root and they know it and they feel it that way, right? It's not a community if you all shared something but you have no idea. And so I think it's a slippery concept. It's generally easier to define by what it isn't than what it is. It is definitely not things like an online FAQ. So if you build a website, And you have people who can, you know, experts who answer questions or something like that. It may become a community, but initially it's not because the members themselves aren't connected to each other. We just use it as a blanket term for any group that we want to start engaging with what we're doing. And it's like, oh, it's the community of people who take brand x well if it, if that's not salient to them then no it's not a community right it, it has to have meaning and it has to give you a sense of purpose in place right it's a starting point and there are to your point there's all sorts of communities some of them are permanent some of them are ephemeral some of them are very casual some demand a, a commitment of your entire life so think about i lived in san francisco for a long time there was a zen commune just north of san francisco called green dragon temple uh, the San Francisco Zen commune. Uh, and, you know, those people gave their lives to living in community, as they called it, to become better at, at being Zen practitioners. It was an interesting idea. Now, that's a community that is com- that is total. Like, that's your whole life. But, you know, mm-hmm. we think of communities as being geolocated mm-hmm. probably as a historical accident more than anything. It does matter where you live, but it mattered a lot more, in a time before the kind of mobility that we have now the kind of uh remote life many of us live mm-hmm. uh, i think churches uh, disappearing and there's no question that you know church attendance is down that was a major community center and those were geolocated and so when you talk about like the the Saint Stephen's community, right? My local Catholic church. I'm not Catholic, but church two blocks away from me is Catholic, and uh, that's a community. They know each other. They play baseball together. Their kids play baseball together. They do a lot together.
0: Yeah, that, but I mean, to that point, yeah. even even church has become like virtual. I know, like they used to be. You know, everyone in this town is like you just mentioned going to you know one church, and you know the activities, and we're all sort of living similar lives. But now. We just anyone could be joining a virtual, like an online church uh, Sunday session. Right. You could from, be anywhere. Like, you know, from China. You know, it's it's so. I feel like the world has gotten a lot bigger and that's kind of that kind of makes it harder to define like these smaller communities because well like, i think
1: again different. this is this is where social sciences sometimes have um not sometimes i think almost always have um not not like we're more insightful about you know people but we've just spent more time thinking about it and we have vocabulary to kind of tease apart different elements of that so right what we what we used to talk about in terms of networks um and these are networks of influence as well by the way So the reason they matter to us as marketers is if you have a community that is built around, say, a religious practice or or a disease state. Right. Like Mm -hmm. the breast cancer, the HIV community was a real community for a very long time, especially you know, the 90s, the early 2000s, the HIV advocacy community was a community. They knew each other. There were, you know, not a hierarchy. It wasn't like people voted, but people knew who the important players were. And you had to talk to people if you wanted them to sort of then convey to the community that trusted them that, yes, this is a, a source of people that we trust. So we, we mm-hmm think about communities because we want people to support each other we want people to engage each other you know we talked about loneliness recently like community is the antidote to loneliness yeah but the nature of communities has changed at least people haven't changed but the the ways that we can engage with each other have changed and so right
0: Well, so to that point, when we think about because you you brought up and I want to dive a little bit more into that, when we talk about types of community, let's say, uh, you know, a group of people who all have breast cancer or some sort of genetic disorder, rare disease, to me. That going back to like the definitions of community would be the circumstance. So, you know, because of something that's happened to them getting sick or whatever it may be, they're part of this community now. But like, is that fair to say that they're now all part of this community? What if they don't see it that way? Or what does that even mean? Like, is it just to say, Oh, you guys well, all don't- have this in common?
1: Yeah, I would say that that's a really good question. And and maybe this is where my vocabulary fails me, right, is the degree to which you allow something to define yourself. So, you know, you're, you're mentioning the types of communities that people don't actually want to be part of, right? For right. example, a few years ago, I interviewed uh, one of the guys who survived the Pulse nightclub massacre down in Florida. If you remember that, a man walked oh, into wow. a yeah. gay nightclub and, and started shooting. And you know, like many survivors of these things, it will mark him for the rest of his life. But he actually then turned it into a bigger sort of part of his life. And he goes around and he talks to to people and he said it was really a way of reclaiming my life uh, because I was trying to white knuckle it through like lots of other people. And then when I started talking to them and then we realized we were all going through the same thing and that like. I couldn't go to bed without checking the doors five times on the locks on the doors and stuff. And we all found that we were doing it to me. That's the moment when the community, the post community formed. And that's when this tragedy, this horrible thing that happened became a source, both of pain, right? He couldn't, couldn't sleep, couldn't go. But then when he found that other people were going through it and they could support each other, it became a a community of support or it became a community and that supported him. And then he went one step further and he said, unfortunately in America, I'm not in a very exclusive club. There's loads of people who've been through this. And now I there's actually groups of people I talked to who were survivors of other big shooting massacres, which is, I can't believe I just said that sentence in 2023 in America. That's the reality, but there are actually enough survivors of these mass shootings that they, they're in touch with each other. That's a community. They don't want to be in this community. Or or they, they certainly, if they could go back in time, they would pull themselves out of the situation that put them in the community. But it's the community that gives them the strength to survive through it. And I imagine that's not a unique situation.
0: Right. And so what I'm also hearing, is it fair to say that, you know, we cannot tell people that they're part of a certain community because and i'm talking about like our role within healthcare marketing that you know you're part of this community because of some observable factor that we're seeing that might connect people it's really on us to understand where they see themselves as part of a community and that might not necessarily be the community of people who have breast cancer it might be A community of people who have breast cancer and love to work out. Like, you know what I mean? Like just to understand it to a little bit of a deeper level to then be able to impact, whether it be interventions or whatever it is, programs to connect people. We can't just, we have to understand where they see themselves.
1: Right. And and one of the things that defines community is common language, right? Mm -hmm. So CrossFit, is a community. Mm. Uh, If you're a CrossFitter, you know what a Murph is and you know what what a WOD is, a workout Mm -hmm. of the day and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And you, you know, but even within that, I know there's different cultures of CrossFit gyms. I know this because people talk or used to talk endlessly about CrossFit. I am not a CrossFitter. I was going to ask, I'm like,
0: are you a secret CrossFit person? And I just didn't know. Are there
1: are there secret CrossFit people? Like no. the joke is there's no such <laughs> that's thing. That's a good point. So they, they all talk, right? What's the difference between Fight Club and CrossFit? Like we don't <laughs> talk about Fight Club. So, um, the but in all seriousness, I think a lot of people find CrossFit to be a community that they appreciate and they draw strength from. And that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's that's the important part here for us, right? That the communities, we can define them in, in various different ways. I want to go back to this idea that, that we actually have some vocabulary we can use to tease apart different communities. I want to do it quickly, but I do think it's important. So for example, in sociology, we talk about the difference between dense networks and multiplex networks. A mm-hmm. dense network is one where everybody knows everybody else, right? So I as an adult have a weird diffuse set of friends. It's not so much a community because a lot of them don't know each other. But when I was in high school, every one of my friends knew every one of my friends. And if you had drawn a diagram of who's connected to whom, you would see a big cluster of dots all connected to each other. That is a dense network. And when you get something like Belfast, uh, circa you know 1985, at the height of the troubles, the second time around, you know, in Northern Ireland, you would do a study, and these were very small neighborhoods, and because it was dangerous to to leave your neighborhood, and because they were so closely tied to each other in the churches that they went to, that every network in in Belfast was kind of a very dense network that everybody knew everybody else. It was also a multiplex network, which means they knew each other in many different contexts, so they didn't just grow up together in the same community they went to school together they went to the same church together they played the same sports together that's small town life in america too right my kids know all their friends they play on the sports teams with them if we went to church they would be going to church with them they go Mm -hmm. they know each other in many 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 different contexts when you have dense multiplex networks you have that sort of traditional village sense of everyone knows everyone and everyone does everything together we don't have that very much anymore. To your point, we have a lot of communities that are made up of people who aren't geolocated next to each other or who don't know each other in any other way. And they certainly might not know each other's friends. That becomes a different kind of community. I think when you talk about online communities for healthcare, that's exactly what we're talking about. It's single interest. They, they do get to know each other and they support each other. But, uh you know, it doesn't have to be geolocated. They don't have to go bowling together, for example. does that make sense?
0: yeah, and they, and they might so yes, it's definitely not multiplex, but it might not even be dense. like they might not even know one another in an online community, right? like you you talk to one person and maybe you connect, but it's not that everybody knows everybody. so the it is sort of interesting well, and a little like how do you yes. Even, and. What's the end? Sorry,
1: I cut you off, but go ahead and no. make your point. But yes, and.
0: Yeah, no, so I was we, just going to say, like, what do we, how is that then different? How do we actually ensure we know that these people might just be connecting in like a single point of time, a single day. And then after that, they don't maybe, what can we so do that's a to make that people, rich? Right,
1: right. So let's take the example. It's interesting you say that. So there is a size of community that is sort of natural default between like, I don't know 50 and 100 some people will say 70 and 120 but it's essentially the size of the smallest unit of any army and it Mm -hmm. turns out that this is the size villages get to generally in you know non-structured environments and stuff it's about as big as a community can get where everybody can still know each other and function Mm -hmm. and when you look at online communities with ten thousand people who are active what you find is within those subcommunities of about 50 to 100 people who talk to each other it isn't a community of 10,000 people it's a community of 10,000 people comprised of hundreds of little groups of 50 to 100 Mm -hmm. people talking to each other and they do get to know each other and they do start asking each other about how'd your visit to the doctor go they do start anticipating each other's needs so i think the difference between ten thousand random users bouncing off each other like atoms that's just a group of people who are signed up to the same thing but if you if you go hey Seneca, good to see you again how was your doctor's appointment how's you know your child yeah. doing blah blah blah. Now you're part of a community and now you feel seen and heard and and supported and yeah. and that's different. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense totally. All right. That's interesting. So, I guess some takeaways that I'm some trends that I'm sort of hearing. So, not everything is a community and we can't create communities overnight, right? Correct. Okay. And then in a community and what sort of then does make a community is sh- something shared. So whether it be shared values, si- shared interests, shared situation that you're in, there has to be something shared. And it's a two-way street in that it's not just about having the commonality, but it's also about self-identification, right? Like there has to be a an element of like, I identify yeah, you can with refuse. this thing. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I refuse to be put into the community of survivors of X, right? right? People will say that I refuse to be defined by that. Fine. That's that's a totally valid choice. Then you are, you know, however you're defined, you're not engaging or interacting. You're not embracing the mantle of, you know, uh, survivor of a a mass shooting. Mm -hmm. Totally get it, man. But then you can't say that they're part of that community.
0: Right. And also, and I I love to bring everything back to research because I think that's always our opportunity to really learn. And from like a research perspective, we do primary research all the time. um, It's important for us to incorporate in topic guides, like to understand what communities people feel like they're a part of. And I know we had a quick discussion on this earlier, but like it's not just about, okay, well where where do you where do you go to for support or who do you turn to for support? We have to ask the questions of like, you know, that get to how do you see yourself? Where do you see like the connection between you and someone else? And to really then understand, okay, we're not putting this person in the bucket of your community. You belong to a community of people who have this condition, but rather understanding where they see it so we could best connect with them.
1: Yeah. And also, right. And we have an opportunity to point out connectivity, right? So that you might actually have community common interests with this group that you didn't think you did mm-hmm. so you know you and i joke sometimes about like uh immigrant children and stuff like that so not not to make it too personal but you know sneaker's parents both immigrated from india mm-hmm. so you know being the second generation child that's that many 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 americans share and you don't have to be a descendant of the indian parent to have this sort of culture clash of like, you're going to school in one environment, you come home and they've got a different set of values. That could be any immigrant. Yeah. And so you're part of the second generation community. You share certain experiences with them and you can talk about what it's like to live in two worlds and to have parents who you know, come from a totally different environment in many ways. That's a community. Do you feel part of that community? I don't know. Could I introduce you to somebody who's also in the similar boat and go like you two might have something in common. I mean, you might resent it. It would be kind of clumsy to do that, but I could create a community that way. I could say, Hey, do you know what? You guys are all sort of part of the group of people whose parents do things that embarrass you at the shopping market. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I had a friend who was from Spain. He was like, I used to have to pretend that I was buying bones for my dog because my mom wanted to make a certain Spanish stew. And like, I would go in every week and they'd be like, more bones, huh? And I'd be like, yeah, we have a big dog. Like, he was yeah. too embarrassed to say they were eating them. Right. So,
0: no, I think that's such a good point. And it goes back to the point that we were making earlier. I'm Indian. If someone tells me, like, oh, you're part of the Indian community, I'd probably say, no, I feel more a part of the children of immigrant community, right? Like, that's where I find more of a commonality, to your point. And so it's about understanding not, like, you know, where people, again, where people see themselves and and what they connect to.
1: Well, I saw a very, I mean, look, I saw a very funny video recently, and it was, it sort of called this out to me, and it was a whole bunch of different uh, young men from different communities. I think one guy was from Haiti, and one guy was from Africa, and one guy was from an Arab country and what they had in common was then they turned the video around and all their moms were standing there with their, with their sandals in their hand, ready to beat them with their yeah. sandals. <laughs> and they were all terrified of their moms. Right. And right. I think there was an Indian mom there and it was funny. And it was like, basically we have nothing in common, except for we're all really scared of our moms when they take off their sandals, you know, right. and, cause they're going to hit us with them. And right. I'm not part of that community, but I, I could have a good laugh at it and they presented it as the community of guys who were scared of their moms. So, right. you know, anyway. I think, I think it is hilarious. You know, I think I want to be practical as well at the at the end here. I know we've talked a lot about different things. I think one big type of community that's very important for us is something called a community of practice. Now, that is a a concept that was developed by two sociologists, Jean Lave and Etienne Wenger, not the anybody cares or is going to look it up. But in the 70s, they were very interested in finding educational models that didn't imply failure for some students. So if every, if some people get A's, some people get F's, right? Mm-hmm. And they were like, what's the point of an educational model if not everybody is expected to pass? So they wanted to find sort of educational groupings, methods, approaches that were, you know, everyone succeeds in apprenticeships are one, right? If you are an apprentice tailor, you'll become a tailor someday. might take you longer than the other guy, but you'll get there. Mm -hmm. They developed this concept of what's called a community of practice, which is a group of people who are engaged around a common activity who want to get better at it collectively and individually. And that is the definition of a profession, right? I joined law school. I become a you know I start learning about law lawyers then set the bar for me I pass the bar and I join the community of lawyers and now we're all trying to 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 practice law right but while I was in law school we were trying to learn about it together we would do study groups together that's a community we're trying to get better at it collectively and individually when you look at how people act online around healthcare issues it's an online healthcare community of practice without question. Mm -hmm. It is something where people are trying to become better at being a breast cancer patient, or the spouse of an Alzheimer's patient, or the parent of a child with psoriasis. You go on these groups to become better at what you're doing. Now, better can be, I'm better able to manage it, or I'm better emotionally equipped to handle it, Or if it's the case of, you know, children with ADHD or something like that, just some place to vent and everybody else can feel like, man, I'm in the same boat, you know, uh, that's I feel seen. I feel heard. Community is the antidote to loneliness. And I think that's why we, we decided to do this one so hot on the heels of the last episode that we talked about. Communities are not just these things of like people who happen to take the bus together that's not a community unless they identify as a community the commuting community in suburban new york yeah you can point it out to them but if we could create the conditions under which people were learning how to better manage their own stuff and Mm. then we're able to also educate other people on how to do it that's exactly what these communities are for
0: yeah Yeah, I think that's a great point to end on. I think that the work that we do um, in specifically within behavioral science is to be able to understand humans and then connect to them to really be able to like then change behavior. And I think understanding the concept of community and what that really means, how people are a part of it and what they seek to get out of it helps us better find you know find better ways to connect with people um exactly so, and i okay. again i will
1: i will just repeat i believe the antidote to loneliness is community
0: yep yeah totally yeah okay thanks brad that was uh that was a lot of great insight on community
1: so thank you huh. well let's thanks be careful when we use the words all right I take know. care.
0: yeah bye everyone bye. breaking the code is a podcast by havas health and use medical anthropology department created and produced by Brad Davidson and Sneaky Garcia content editing done by Catherine Rossi post-production audio editing done by Gabriel Allen Cummings and inspiration by all of you thanks for listening and your continued support if you enjoy these episodes we would love to hear from you please leave a rating and subscribe until next time